Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the show. Obviously, a lot to get to in this episode. So first of all, we have the Federal Reserve lowering interest rates to zero. They went ahead and just skipped right to the end there, lowering it all the way to zero. On top of that, they are formally implementing quantitative easing now. So they're buying a lot of treasuries, a lot of mortgage-backed securities. These are the two main levers that the Federal Reserve has to be able to manipulate the economy, to be able to help out during recessions and during contraction in the economy. So they're using both of these tools now. Now we have other news like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut agreeing to ban dining and restaurants and limit events to less than 50 people. This is something that we're seeing nationwide, not just in these three states, but everywhere else like California as well banning all restaurants, saying that you can't gather together in groups of people. And this is something that we'll likely see more of. Now, we also have things like live sports. Most events are being shut down. ESPN scrambling to figure out programming while live sports shut down indefinitely. So every major sporting event has been shut down. We have the biggest U.S. banks halting buybacks to free up capital for the coronavirus. So you have all our major banks. Normally, they spend a portion of their income to purchase their own shares. That's called share buybacks. Instead of doing that, they're saying, hey, we're all going to agree together to hold that cash so that we can be able to help support other companies by having a line of credit and doing all the things that banks normally do. That's something else they just announced a couple days ago. And then, of course, we have panic buying. We have all the people going to the grocery store, wiping out different shelves of food, buying all the basic home goods that you can, toilet paper, water, all that type of stuff, leaving a lot of shelves completely empty at grocery stores. In fact, a lot of grocery stores that are normally open 24-7 are now saying that they're limiting the times they're open so that they have time to restock their stores. So this is something else going on right now. And then, of course, I think it's worth mentioning that we have the stock market. Here's my portfolio. It's down $8,101 overall. That's the overall return. Just today, it's down $5,800. So most of the loss is just in today's open. And we're in the middle of a live trading session. So you'll probably see this number go up and down throughout this video. But this is what's going on right now. Extreme volatility causing the capital gains to move around thousands and thousands of dollars every single day. And right now, the markets are currently down 10% for the day. So this has been something pretty incredible. If I go to this heat map again of the S&P 500, you can see that there's basically one color, the color red. Across the board, that's basically what it is. There's a couple outliers, but overall, people are going to be in the red today. Now, as far as my portfolio goes, I don't want to repeat everything I've been saying in the last couple episodes, but I will make a few comments on it. Uh, as far as my overall game plan, that hasn't changed since the beginning. I have the same game plan that I had when I started investing two years ago, which is I'm investing in companies that I'm looking at a very long time scale. I'm looking out 10 years, 20 years. Are these companies that I think will be relevant in the next 10 years? Are these companies that I think will be able to survive a recession? These are the type of companies that I want to own. Ones that I think will be both relevant and resilient throughout different market environments. So those are the companies I'm investing in. And with that in mind, I'm going to be investing in these companies no matter how far the stock market falls. So whether we're down $5,000 in the day or whether we're up $5,000 in the day, whether overall it drops down 20% or 30% or 40%, I'm going to continue to own these companies as long as I think that they can survive the current environment. So, so far, I do think that these companies can survive throughout this challenge that we face. 
going forward. And I'm going to continue to own them in that case. I have lots of companies that I've wanted to own a share of for a long time. Companies like Disney, Costco, Target, Home Depot. These are all great companies that I really do think will be around in 10 years. Now, obviously, I'm not a doctor. I don't know everything about the coronavirus or the threats that it has. But listening to the experts on the subject, it sounds like a highly contagious, pretty lethal virus, something that people are concerned about. So with that in mind, we know that these companies are going to have extreme pressure on them for what could be a good amount of time. Companies like Disney are having a huge segment of their business shut down right now. All their parks and resorts are really having to be shut down. That makes up 40% of the income for Disney. On top of that, their other 40%, which is all their production companies, that's facing challenges as well. Even though it's technology-based and they can distribute it through their streaming services and through the movie theaters, people don't want to go out to the movie theaters. So this company has a ton of downward pressure on it right now. Again, one that I think will eventually survive this. But in the meantime, we're seeing some serious red with these type of companies. Costco and Target are two of the few that are actually in that mix of where they're kind of benefiting right now. I talked to somebody that's pretty high up at a Costco locally, and they said that the sales that they're getting in some of the days in the past week are far more than they get on Christmas or Black Friday. So people are going to Costco and buying as much as they can right now. That's why that company is still up quite a bit. The same type of thing with Target. I went there recently. There was lots of shelves completely wiped out. People buying all the water, people buying all the basic food supplies. So these two companies have been okay through this, even though they're retail outlets. And then we have other companies like real estate here. A few of my real estate companies have buildings that are senior living and nursing facilities, Well Tower and LTC properties. Both of those are assisted living for elderly people who are the people that are the absolute most vulnerable for this virus. So the fear is, obviously, for investors that if a virus breaks out in one of these centers, that it will cause a lot of concern and panic for these type of properties. So this is something where you're seeing a ton of downward pressure on any healthcare REIT. You're also seeing downward pressure on Simon Property because it's a mall and that's something where people congregate into large amounts of people. Again, that's being completely shut down right now. So we have a lot of different businesses that are facing a lot of different short-term challenges right now based off of the threat of the coronavirus. The decisions that I'm making as a response to all of this, the way that I think about this is not so much exactly when I should buy or when I should sell, if right now is a good dip or if we found the bottom or not. Really, the decisions I make are, can my companies survive this? That's the decisions I'm making. If I think my company can survive this and come out and recover, then I'm going to hang on to that company. But if I don't see a path for them to ever survive this, if I think that they're really just going to go bankrupt or that they'll go down so much in value that it will never recover within my lifetime, then I'm going to sell out of that company. So, so far, I don't see any that I think won't be able to recover. There's a couple companies that I am really concerned about, but that's really not for the coronavirus. That's for the oil price wars right now. I have two companies in the energy sector. Chevron and ExxonMobil. The price of oil is extremely low right now because the Russians and the Saudis are in an oil price war. So they're both pumping a lot of oil amidst a lot lower demand, which is causing these companies to go down in value drastically. Because if they're selling oil at $33 or $35, they're not selling it profitably. So these companies are relying on their cash balance to be able to pay out shareholders. I don't know how long they'll continue to be able to pay dividends in that situation. So I'm a little worried about ExxonMobil. I'm a little worried about Chevron. Another company that I'm worried about is Boeing. This company has had nothing but trouble for the past two years. I've commented on a lot of it and, and shown some of the troubles that they've had, and it just continues to happen. I don't think that it's going to get too much easier right now. 
But honestly, it's gone down so much in value. I have such little amount of this company to begin with that it's not an overall huge impact in my portfolio. I think I have under $300 in this one right now. So even if this one is a sell, if they cut their dividend, not something that's going to affect my overall passive income too much. So that's it. I own all these different companies. I have 47 different companies that are able to cut their dividends. If they really have a a bad enough go, if they don't have the balance sheet to be able to support a contraction in the economy, then they will likely cut their dividend. So far, none of them have done that. But we could see that happen if we really do enter into a recession, as some people are predicting. So that's what I'm going to be looking at is whether these companies can survive throughout this time and whether or not they can pay out their shareholders with dividends. If they do cut their dividend, I'll take that on a case-by-case situation of whether or not I keep that company, whether or not I sell out of it. So that's going to be the decisions I make here. I can say again that I'm looking at the overall picture. I have my actual monthly income here, which is the amount of passive income that I'm paid month over month. My objective with this portfolio is to grow this to a sizable portion, where it's not just 350 bucks a month or the $200 I was paid last month, but instead it's 500 bucks a month, $1,000 a month. I want to get this to the point where I'm earning a lot of money every single month in passive income. If the market goes down in value, that doesn't really affect this goal right here. That doesn't have an effect on my passive income. The dividends can still be paid even if the market goes down in value. The thing that would affect this right here is companies cutting their dividends. So that's the thing that I'm most concerned about is how many companies of mine will cut their dividends. And if so, how much does that make of my overall income? How much does that take me back from my goal? So I'll be keeping track of all of that. I'll let you guys know if any of my companies cut their dividends. And if so, how much that sets me back. So that's the major thing I'm going to be keeping track of. So you can see sitting here, we're at negative $6,500 now. Didn't I start this video out negative $8,000? This is what I'm talking about. This moves thousands of dollars every couple minutes. It's been, what, 10 minutes and it's moved $2,000. So this is the thing with capital gains. It just, it's crazy. It goes up and down every single day. The volatility is absolutely insane over the past couple of weeks. Investors cannot make up their minds of whether the economy is a good buy right now, whether they're buying a dip and whether this is going to be a short thing that after 2020, the market's going to go back up or whether we're going to enter into a big, prolonged global recession, stagflation, lots of those really big words that means that the economy is over for good. So that's what investors are trying to decide right now. And it's causing our portfolios to go up and down like crazy. Now, this is another thing I'll mention quickly before moving on with the news. If you're overall in the red, it's easy to feel discouraged and feel sad about that. Realize that you're owning businesses here. This big number right here, this isn't cash. What this is, is a representation of the value of your businesses currently. It's as if you went to Zillow and looked up your home and you saw that it was down $6,000 in value over the past month. Would you view that differently than what you do with your portfolio? If you own your home, you plan on owning it for the next 10 years, you have no immediate plans of selling your house, does it really affect you that much when it goes down in value a couple thousand dollars? I look at that in a very similar manner to my portfolio. I look at it the same way I would look at my home going up and down in value based off of Zillow. If I want to sell in the immediate future, that is a concern. My home going down in value, if I'm planning on selling it, that is a concern right there. But if I plan on owning it for 10 years, that's not a concern. And I do with my current home, I plan on owning it for 10 or 20 years. And so when it goes up and down in value, I don't care at all. And I don't look at my portfolio too differently with that. I look at it in a similar view. So it's easy to get discouraged if you're seeing red numbers. I've been warning about this for a while. The the thing that I would keep in mind is that you're definitely not the only one in that situation. I did a poll 
just a day ago before the market went down another 10% here. So this is a poll before today where the market's down another 10%. The, the poll had two different questions. You will see these, by the way, if you're subscribed to the channel, they'll show up in your YouTube homepage. So if you're not subscribed, you can subscribe and then you'll be able to participate in these polls. But in this one, I had two different options. One of them was overall my portfolios in the red. The other option was overall my portfolios in the green. 91% of people out of the 7.2 thousand that responded so far, 91% are overall in the red. 9% are overall in the green. Now, this also had 359 comments on it. And I read through all of those and it gave me an idea of why people are in the red and why people are in the green. Of the people that are in the red, the 91%, almost all of them are in the red because they started investing within the last two years. They started investing since 2018. That's why they're in the red. The people that are in the green, the huge majority of the people that are in the green right now simply started investing a long time ago. We have a very wide demographic for this channel. We have people that are 17 and 18 years old, and I get emails from people that are in their 70s and retired and everywhere in between. So we have different people in different stages of investing. Some of the viewers are retired and they have massive portfolios. Overall, they're still in the green. So a a downturn right now isn't going to really affect that. Now, there is a small portion of people that are in the green that have made concentrated portfolios and bet on specific companies that have worked out. A, A popular one is Tesla. So Anybody that invested in Tesla before their spike is likely still in the green because of how much that company went up. So that's a small portion of this 9% here. But overall, the breakdown is 91% of people have started investing within the past two years, and they've had their gains wiped away in the past 30 days. The other 9% are people that have been investing for a lot longer. And just to quickly illustrate what I'm talking about here, where I say if you started investing in the last two years, you're probably in the red. This is SPY. So this is a graph of the ETF that tracks the S&P 500. Right now, it's trading at about 250. Now, if I trace that back, this horizontal line, all the way to where we were previously, where it was trading at 250, that brings us back to September 25th of 2017. That's when the S&P 500 was trading at 250. I started investing December 18th of 2017, so right about here. So almost all the purchases that I've done over the past two years have been above what the market's currently trading at. So even if you pick the best companies, the ones that are the most resilient, the ones that have the best PE ratio, if the overall market drops this much, even in the case that you're picking the best companies, you're still probably in the red. If I look at the past month here, again, everything is likely in the red. Investors aren't being too discerning of the companies they want to keep and the ones that they want to sell. Now, going back to this graph, the people that are in the green, that 9%, again, either they bought Tesla and, and piled onto that before it went up, or more likely... They've been investing for a long time. If I go and I go to the all-time view here, you can see what a difference this makes. There's where we've been investing for the past two years. If we go to a bigger timeline, if you started investing all throughout this time period, you're still probably heavily in the green at this point. So this is a difference that time in the market makes. The longer amount of time that you invest, the more likely you are to make money. The shorter the time frame, the more likely you are to lose money. When I look at my portfolio and, and the growth of passive income that I have, I consider myself on the very start of this journey or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to be investing for 10 or 20 years. We'll see what happens over that time period. In the meantime, though, I could see this continue to go down. And I want to jump into that. So let's jump into some things that are going on with the economy, with the stock market. Let's jump into some news here. The first thing I want to talk about is the Federal Reserve cutting interest rates and implementing quantitative easing. 
This historically is seen as something that is stimulatory to the economy. Lowering the federal funds interest rate makes it so that the interest rate generally across banks and the, the businesses that they lend to is cheaper. That's what lowering the interest rate does across the board. It helps support businesses in a lot of different ways because now they have money more freely available to them. The Federal Reserve is also doing quantitative easing, which is another lever that they can pull for the economy to try to stimulate the economy during times like this. And what that does is create demand, which typically rises the prices of assets. So they're using the two biggest tools they have. Those are the two biggest tools the Federal Reserve has to be able to help the economy. The issue is they announced that they were doing that on Sunday evening. And here we are on Monday with the market down 10% as a response. So the market is not responding how you would anticipate they would to the Federal Reserve doing these things. Instead of viewing it positively, the market has responded very negatively. But I want to play a short clip of how President Trump responded to the Federal Reserve doing this. They're going to be purchasing $500 billion of treasuries and $200 billion of mortgage-backed securities, and that number can increase. Uh, But they're going to start with that, and uh, that's really good news. It's really great for our country. It's something that uh, uh, we're very happy. I have to say this. I'm very happy. And they did it in one step. They didn't do it in four steps over a long period of time. They did it in one step. And I think that people in the market should be very thrilled and That brings us, uh, we're the strongest country in the world by far, financially in every other way. And that brings us in line with what other countries are. So that's a big step, and I'm very happy they did it. So obviously, the president sees this as a positive thing. He likes that the Fed lower interest rates. He likes quantitative easing. He's been calling for this for a very long time, saying the Fed should do this for a very long time. So he views this as a positive thing. He wants the stock market to go up and be strong as he's running for re-election. So that's the viewpoint that he's coming from. Now, the Fed decided to lower interest rates to zero. Some people think that the Fed is, is bowing down to the president, following his orders. I personally, I look at Jay Powell. He doesn't strike me as the type of person to do that. I think that he is looking at the data. He sees all the stores closing, all the sports shutting down, the travel industry slowing down. He sees all these things happening. And I think Jay Powell's the type of person to look at the data and try to get ahead of it. So they're trying to get ahead of all of this. They don't want to look back and say the Fed acted too late. Now, it makes sense that President Trump is also positive about this because he is a cheerleader for the economy. He wants things to be good. He wants people to remain positive. That's the type of message that he's going to be sending. The next thing that President Trump talks about in this briefing is he's trying to prevent people from panicking about this. I showed you the the small clip at the beginning of this episode of people going through and clearing out all the grocery stores. What he did was he got on a phone call with every major retail store and supplier, companies like Walmart and Kroger's and Campbell Soup, all those type of companies, and they had commitments with him that they're going to remain operational, that people don't have to worry that they're going to shut down and that people aren't going to have access to these type of goods anymore. So he has this phone call with them. They all commit to remaining open. And the president mentions this because he wants to reassure people and have people stop panicking and going out and buying as much stuff as they can. They're going to work uh, 24 hours around the clock, keeping their stores stocked. I would like to say that people shouldn't go out and buy. We're going to all be great. We're going to be so good. We're going to do what's happened with the Fed is phenomenal news. What's happening with all of these incredible companies is phenomenal news. But you don't have to buy so much. Take it easy. Just relax. People are going in and they're buying more. They, I remember, uh, I guess, during the conversation, Doug of Walmart said that they're buying more than they buy at Christmas. Relax. We're doing great. It all will pass. Now, what he says there about people 
going and panicking and buying a, a lot of goods, you know, they're buying everything that they can at the grocery stores. He's telling people to slow down a little bit, that there's going to be stores open, that all these different stores have committed to remaining open. That's a commitment that he has out of all these major stores. He's trying to mention that to people so they know that they're going to be able to get food next week. Now, he also mentions another detail there. He says that these stores are selling more in one day now than they would during like Christmas or a big holiday. And I've heard the same thing. I know somebody that works at a Costco. It's a local one. And on days like Black Friday or before Christmas, they might sell over a half million dollars in goods. So about $500,000 worth. And in one day, when the governor of the state gave a warning, they sold $1.2 million worth of goods, over double what they would on something like a Black Friday or the weeks before Christmas. So this is an incredible amount of people going to these stores and buying everything that they can. Now, we also have stores like Costco and others doing limits on how much you can buy per person for certain items. For water, Costco has limited the amount of water you can buy to two per person two per membership. So I saw a lot of people when I was in checkout that had five or six waters in their cart. Their entire cart was just stuffed with them and they had to put all of them back except for two and they could only purchase the two. And the other ones that they put in the cart were moved to a flatbed that was completely full by all the people trying to buy five or six waters. And that flatbed, they'd move all the waters to the back of the store and let other customers buy it. So you're seeing stores adapt to this. They are limiting the amount of purchases per customer and doing other things like that as well. Now, and just one more note on the Fed interest rate. Here's a graphic showing us coming full circle with it. So in 2015, it really was at zero at that point. It was at zero after the financial crisis in 2008 and 2009. We lowered the Fed rate down to zero. And then we kept it there all the way to 2015. And then in 2016, we started to increase the Fed rate. It went up pretty steadily until we got to two and a quarter. And we held it there for a while. And then we had to lower it back down. And then it went from 1.5% all the way down to zero. That is where we are at right now. For most people, this means that getting a line of credit of any kind is going to be cheaper. So if you got your home around this time period in 2019, where it was at two and a quarter, you could probably refinance your home in the the coming weeks and save a lot on your interest. So that might be something to consider. Now you can see the same type of pattern with the Fed's balance sheet. In 2015 to about 2017, the Fed's balance sheet was at around four and a half trillion. You can see that they started to lower that in 2018 and 19. It went down all the way to $3.7 trillion. And then, of course, it's recently started to spike back upwards. Quantitative easing means that this line is going to go up and it's going to go up very fast. This means that the Fed is buying a lot of assets. Both of these, again, are supposed to be stimulatory towards the economy, but they're not the only thing that the economy needs to function. We need to have people going out and and conducting business. So no matter what the Fed tries to do, the tools that they can use, it's not going to make up for the fact that people are staying home, not buying things, that people aren't traveling, that people aren't going out to events and they're not going out to eat. That type of stuff is really going to hurt the economy regardless of what the Fed tries to do. But the Fed is not the only one trying to help out in this situation. We have Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin here talking about the links that the government's willing to go to be able to help out with this. So let me just emphasize that this is a unique circumstance. This isn't like the financial crisis where people didn't know how long this was going to go on. And let me just say, there's no question, because of the things that we're requesting people to do, there are parts of the economy that are shutting down or slowing down dramatically. And as I said before, and I said yesterday, we are committed to use all the tools and all the resources of the government to make sure that we protect the economy. So many of the industries that you've talked about, as I said, the airlines are the the most obvious because we have a unique circumstance where we have shut down travel. 
and these are of strategic importance to us. But we appreciate there's many industries that are impacted by this. I would also say there's many individuals. The president has talked about a stimulus program, whether it's through a payroll tax cut, whether it's through refundable tax credits. We are 100 percent committed, and I can assure you there is bipartisan support. So we have a lot of tools. The Fed has a lot of tools. Some of these tools we don't have that we had in the financial crisis. We'll be going back to Congress. So there he is talking about the links that the administration will go, that the federal government will go to be able to help support the economy during this time. I don't think that they're going to let airliners completely fail. So that's something that we need with our economy. And I think the federal government really would support those type of industries if they were on the brink of destruction. Now, they also did some other things. They deferred interest payments on student debt. And he bounces around the idea talking about payroll taxes. So there's other things the government's looking at here to be able to help. But right now you're seeing that this isn't doing a whole lot to help the stock market. One last thing I wanted to talk about in the news was that the biggest U.S. banks agreed to halt their share buyback programs in order to free up that capital to be able to support businesses during this contraction. So with the coronavirus going around, there's less business activity. A lot of companies are going to need more capital than they normally would. And the banks are saying, we're here to help. So we're not going to be doing our share buybacks. Instead, we're going to be reserving that capital to be able to use this line of credits for these different businesses. They actually say in a statement, the decision on buybacks is consistent with our collective objective to use our significant capital and liquidity to provide maximum support to individuals, small businesses, and the broader economy through lending and other important services. The decision is consistent with the actions by the Federal Reserve, the administration, and Congress. Each member institution retains the ability to reinstate its buyback program as soon as the circumstances warrant. So that is one positive thing in comparison to the Great Recession. With this downturn, the banking system does not have the same systemic problems that we did in 2008 and 2009. The banks had a lot of problems with being over leveraged with highly complicated products that they didn't fully understand, which caused a domino effect of banks going out of business. That was the big financial crisis in 2008. Now, with banks currently, they have a lot more liquidity. They have a lot more capital, and they're in a position to support the economy instead of being detrimental to the economy. Now, before moving on to questions, I have to mention this product. Someone invented it, put it on Reddit, and I just came across it. And I really think that this might be the solution to the problems we're facing right now. We know the coronavirus is spreading fast, and what this person did was create the Pandemic Prevention Utility Belt. So he actually put together a demo of it, and I'll go ahead and play this so you can see how good this thing is. This is the Pandemic Prevention Belt. Stop spreading germs today. The included spandex wristbands will ensure your hands will never be able to reach your face. Keep those disgusting hands as far away as possible. No, face, touching. The right side holster features a distanceful hand shaker. Avoid all skin-to-skin contact immediately and only shake hands from a comfortable distance away. Sorry to all my best bras. Next located on your left side buttocks is a secondary fake arm and sleeve. Never sneeze into your hands and only into your elbow to minimize any possible nasal spray outward. Lastly and most important are dual hand washing station. I'm not sure why I have to remind you to wash your hands, but just do it. 
That's it. The pandemic prevention utility belt. Personally, I don't even know why the pharmaceutical companies and the CDC are even worrying about making a vaccine or their other preventative measures when we have this thing available to us. He's already made the prototype. All we have to do is mass produce it, give one to everybody. And I think the economy returns right back to normal. So this is an easy solution. Hats off to this guy for making this thing. Okay, let's get to some emails here. Joseph at josephcarlsonshow.com. That's joseph at josephcarlsonshow.com if you would like to email a question into the show. You can also message me on Twitter or Instagram. I check those as well. The first one's from Stuart. He says, it was announced last night that LTC Properties is repurchasing up to 5 million common shares of its outstanding common stock. I'm not too keen on the investing lingo, so I was wondering if you would help me understand what makes common stock different than other types of stock. How will this show in M1 Finance, and if it should affect how we look at LTC? I'm wondering if this puts them on the chopping block, or if it's something of the same caliber as cutting dividends. Okay, Stuart, so I appreciate the question. Um, LTC Properties is a REIT, and they own a lot of different buildings, and they, they build buildings that are specifically for elderly people. So they're like senior assisted living, nursing facilities, those type of things. Now, what's happened over the past month is... Obviously, there's a highly contagious virus that's not so harmful to people that are younger, but it's very troubling for people that are elderly with complications in their health. So if they already have pre-existing conditions, then this virus is extremely dangerous towards them. It's, it's a lot more dangerous than the flu from the data that we're seeing. Now, if you own a company that's a real estate company, that all their tenants are, are healthcare providers for elderly people... That's something that investors are pretty concerned about. So we've seen a drastic fall in value of LTC properties as scared investors sell off their holdings of that company, as well as Welltower and other healthcare REITs. And that might be something that's smart for them to do. It might be a bad decision. That's up to each individual investor and how they see this risk. So if you see this as a risk where owning that property is something where you think that lots of people will start to get hit by this virus, it'll cause a lot of chaos, and it will end up really hurting these companies. That's something that people are pricing in. Now, this company in particular, LTC Properties, was sold off so much that the owners of the company said, hey, we think that our company is actually a good deal right now. We want to buy back some of our own company. So there's two different things in this sphere that companies can do. They can sell shares or they can buy shares. If a company sells shares, it's selling a portion of its company, equity in its company, for money. That's what the company's doing. When a company does an initial public offering, an IPO, they're selling you a portion of their company as shares. Now, they can do the opposite as well. The company can use its balance sheet to buy back some of its own company. That's called share buybacks. The reason that companies typically do share buybacks is because they consider at the time their own company to be a good deal. They think that other people have oversold their company, and so they're purchasing back shares of their own company. There's other things that can go into it, but that's the basic idea behind it. So LTC Properties is pretty much saying that investors have sold off our company so much with fears of the coronavirus that we're looking at this and the managers don't agree with their assessment. The managers are saying, we think our company's fine. We think that we're going to go through this just fine. But now that our company is so low in price, we're going to go ahead and buy back some of our own shares. So this is a vote of confidence from LTC Properties. They're saying that things are okay. They're saying that their company's a good deal. That's a vote of confidence from them. It's not something that would ever put them on the chopping block. It's not something even remotely equivalent to dividend cuts. Share buybacks are viewed mostly as a positive thing because the company's saying that they're a good deal right now and they have a vote of confidence from the owners. 
Krish says, hi, Joseph. I have come to become a huge fan of your show. Regularly look forward to the new uploads. And the main reason is not because I've been a big dividend investor all these years, but more for the totally objective nature of your analysis with no hidden agenda or bias. Besides getting into dividend investments over the last few months, I've been finding REITs pretty attractive too. I've been adding some of the big names to my portfolio, such as VNQ and O. I was wondering what your thoughts are on some of the others that have been hammered this week, specifically MPW and EPR. Their dividend yields look massively attractive with the fall. I would like your perspective on what else you typically look for picking your read. Thanks and keep up the good work. Well, Krish, I appreciate the, the kind words about the show. As far as your question, MPW, I believe, is a healthcare read. So again, that makes sense with, with senior people being the most susceptible with having issues with this virus. Anything that's going to be a healthcare re- or healthcare related is going to go down in value. So that would make sense of why that one's down. EPR is like an entertainment one. They have ski resorts and, and theaters and that type of thing. This is something where people are staying home right now. So again, this is going to have a lot of downward pressure on these two different REITs. And then you mentioned O, Realty Income Corp. That is one that's done pretty good over the past month. So comparison to the rest of the market, Realty Income Corp is one where People really like that company. It has kind of a cult following the same way that you'd see with like Berkshire Hathaway share members. They're very stubborn. They don't like to sell that holding. Realty Income Corp is one that a lot of people want to own. And the type of buildings that they have, they don't think are too susceptible with the current concerns. So Realty Income Corp has come down a little bit, but not nearly as much as these other REITs you're listing off. With the healthcare and entertainment one, I think you have to be careful with these two. They can drop quite a ways if business activity really contracts. So don't just look at the attractive yield. Really look at the balance sheet and how long these companies could last with suppressed earnings. Consider that they might go two quarters, six months with having a lot less earnings than they originally projected. So you have to factor that into these two companies. If they'll be able to survive six plus months with heavily reduced earnings, I think that they're probably a good deal right now. But if they're companies that they're already running on the edge, they don't have much padding in their budget, and if they have any type of contraction in business activity, they're going to have to cut their dividend, you're going to see the share price fall a lot more with them. So I just have the same viewpoint. If you're trying to initiate new positions, assume that these companies are going to have heavily reduced earnings over at least the next six months and factor that into your decision of whether you want to initiate a position. Austin says, Joseph, I was wondering if you could voice your opinion on one of your next videos, whether you think we are going to enter a recession during this bear market or not. I know some markets have not come with a recession, but some have. I'd just like to hear your thoughts. Sure, Austin, I can give my opinion on that. I think that there's a pretty decent chance that we could enter a recession. So I think there's a good chance of that. People have to actually understand what a recession is. It's sometimes a vague word that people use that just means everything is bad with the economy. Really what a recession means is that you have two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. So normally the economy grows from anywhere of like 1% to 4% a year. That's the growth that you get out of it. We measure it through GDP on a quarterly basis. And if we have a contraction in business activity, people don't spend as much. They don't produce as much. They're not going to work as much and not going out on vacation as much. That's a contraction in business. And if that happens for long enough, it'll make it so the entire quarter, overall, the economy is actually in a decline. So we could see that happen in one quarter, and then it could cause some problems and layoffs that could make it happen for another quarter. That would cause a recession. Now, a recession does not mean that it needs to be like 2008, where millions of people lose their homes. There's a financial crisis with banks going out of business and a credit crunch and all these huge issues going on at the same time. That doesn't always have to happen with the recession. There's a whole scale of how severe a recession can be. So keep that in mind, that if there is a recession, that means the economy is contracting, 
but it doesn't necessarily mean it's on the same scale as in 2008 and 2009. So if I had to give a prediction, which mine is as good as anybody's, I can't see the future, so I could be wrong, but uh, I would say that there is a very good chance of us entering a recession because we've had a lot of businesses just close, completely just shut things down. We have sports shutting down. We have a lot of travel shutting down. So people are staying home, and that's not really helpful to the economy. The huge part of the GDP is consumption, people going out and spending their money. That's about 70% of GDP. So if that goes to a grinding halt, then that will definitely affect our GDP. But there's a scale of recessions. I think that if we do have one, I personally don't believe that it would be quite as bad as 2008, 2009. Now, on that note there, right on uh, recession talk, kind of a depressing subject there, but we will end this episode there. If you guys haven't already, hit the subscribe button, share the video with friends. You can also consider joining the Discord. There's a link in the description for that. It's been fun to discuss this stuff with other people. So other than that, I will check in with you guys later this week.